Welcome to the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. This episode was recorded in Copenhagen during the 2016 Innovation Roundtable Summit, where our colleague Leonard sat down with Mark Gruber, Professor of Entrepreneurship at EPFL, to talk about opportunity identification. Gruber discusses the problem of myopia and how firms can systematically identify better opportunities by having cognitive flexibility. Furthermore, he explains the need of multi-skilled teams and highlights the importance of designing a successful process for opportunity selection. So, okay, we're here today at Innovation Roundtable Summit. I'm here with Mark Gruber, um, Professor of Entrepreneurship and Triple Thought Leader Award winner. So it's wonderful uh, to be here with you. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Very welcome, thank you. And uh, so we're going to talk today about capabilities for opportunity identification. So I guess, um, I guess to start, why uh, why did you uh, pick this topic in particular to focus on? Why why is this on your radar? So this has been on my radar for a dozen years, I would say, because it's it's a topic that is uh, that is typically looked at as as a as, as happening by chance, you know, you, you stumble upon an opportunity, you know, or other companies, they might say, we have lots of opportunities in front of us, we just don't know how to select. Uh, but, but one of the core questions that's buried in there is to say, okay, can we actually systematically identify better opportunities? You know? So it's not just many more opportunities, but, but better opportunities. Mm-hmm. And this has been of, 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 of core interest to me because it's uh, there's there something to organizations to uh, organizations small and large where where you could say where we try to design processes we try to design mechanisms that help me to to identify more opportunities and and even better ones you know so uh, we embarked on a research project with um, when I say we it's that's Ian McMillan Jimmy Thompson from the Wharton School already in in 2004-2003 engaging in empirical research, meaning we went out to companies, we interviewed them, but we also sent out surveys trying to understand what these companies are good at and not so good at. And and, uh, we specifically looked at small companies because small companies are much cleaner, much easier to study than than the bigger bigger ones where opportunity identification happens between five departments, 30 people, and so on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so and um, when did you say that research? So we started doing this research. It's a line of research by now, starting in two thousand three and four. Okay. So it's it goes back a long way, you know. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and so, and have you ha- have there been many articles published from this study, or is it still in the process? No, we have published I think four or five articles, and now with a colleague from Israel, we are publishing a book that partly builds on her dissertation, partly builds on my research that I've done before, which then takes a very practical angle of uh, re, um, to our insights. Because I, it's one thing to publish the scientific article, and which is satisfying the academic uh, audience. And, and for one of those papers, I won, won this Thought Leader Award. But uh, it's, it's a completely different thing to package something in a way that is well-designed, um, easy to understand, highly practical for for small and large companies. So we have been working on that on, on that practitioner-oriented book for about three years now. It's, it's a hell of a work. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that will be exciting. Yeah. Keep yeah. us informed. Absolutely. That, no, that will come out in, in spring of next year. Wonderful. Um, so I guess from, maybe not from the book, because that hasn't 
that's not out yet, but uh, from the, the articles that have been published, um, kind of what, I mean, it's quite, probably quite a, a generic question because the, the research spans different areas, but in relation to this capabilities for opportunity identification, what what have the insights been? What what capabilities does a firm need? How do they uh, develop these capabilities? What do we mean when mm -hmm. we, we say capabilities? Can you start? So we so we published several studies that come in a sequence of, of adding more and more complexity to, to that topic. You know, with the first study we basically said, okay, can firms actually benefit from seeing multiple opportunities? You know? So and what we saw is that they can actually benefit quite a bit by, by saying we we see not only one opportunity for commercializing our technology, we see multiple ones. Uh, and based on that insight, uh, which was quite a new contribution because people always tend to say, think, well, an, an entrepreneurial startup identifies one opportunity and then exploits that one. Uh, based on that insight, we, we actually said, okay, uh, now that we know that there are key performance benefits from, from seeing multiple opportunities, let's see which teams uh, are better in identifying more and more varied opportunities. You know, these are different things. It's not only the number, how many you see, but you know, how varied they are and which different domains they are. Um, and, and what do these teams actually do in order to, to see these opportunities? And then uh, when, you do, when you do have a data set with, with hundreds of companies that, uh, like the one we have collected, you can then do some, some fancy statistical stuff to understand which, which are the systematic effects and which, uh, uh, which type of, of outcomes can you actually um, predict you know with with confidence you know so which then means okay once we know the systematic effects uh, we can infer what type of processes are behind that what type of team structures are behind that and 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 try to make prescriptions in terms of, of organizational designs or capabilities you know? so it's a, so it's 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 a process where we we spend a significant amount of effort on, on collecting this data because that's that's by now still the the one and only unique database in the world that that has this type of data which we wow. which we then mine for for interesting insights. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong but I would imagine the more the more opportunities that are identified the 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 higher the complexity in managing the simultaneous execution of them all. Yeah. Um, so with it comes like a, a, a plus, but also kind of a negative. Absolutely. So how, how to go about, I mean, I, I see that, yes, you don't want to zone in on, on, on just one. Um, how, do you, how do you manage that process? So what we've repeatedly seen in our research is that startups often see only one. You know, they say, okay, this is a technology. We are seeing that market opportunity Perhaps someone approached them and said, hey, your technology can be used in that domain. Uh, they focus on that one and, and, and are blind to everything else what's going on. You know? mm -hmm. So what we are seeing in the data very clearly is that those startups outperform others that first look broadly mm -hmm. and say, okay, this is our opportunity set, and then try to understand which opportunities are better than others because they, they are not all alike. You know? And that's, yeah. that's the first uh, insight that the, the entrepreneurs need to get is to have this sensitivity towards what a good opportunity is, what not such a good opportunity is. And what we see is oftentimes the serial entrepreneurs, the ones with, with more refined entrepreneurial skills, they are really good and try seeing 
uh, uh, not only different opportunities, but try uh, understanding which ones are, are superior to others. You know? yeah. Does this usher in then um, an opportunity for more um, benefits between corporates collaborating with startups then? Um, who, okay, so the startup has maybe completely different uh, perspective or developed a new uh, technology, something disruptive, but the the corporates could also have a different different angles or different perspectives. Or? So, as a corporate, you are in the luxurious situation on the one hand, where you have uh, many more resources to spend on op opportunity exploitation. Once you see a, a range of opportunities, you can not only exploit one, you know, like a startup yeah. typically can. Uh, do but but you can exploit a couple you know at the yeah. same time you know so you you can experiment and learn with to, with with all these opportunities uh, you know. the second thing what we see with corporate is that they often have uh, difficulties to see opportunities that that extend the, the you know, beyond the industry they work in uh, and that has to do with uh, with the people. They, they tend to see opportunities that are in their field, you know. So, and that's why why they see opportunities that happen, that that exist in in their space, and and might miss extremely exciting opportunities in, in another field. You know, think about Fujifilm. They have uh, been in the film uh, f photo film business for forever, and then. You know, with the digital te cameras, they suddenly, you know, were, had their Kodak moment and said, "Okay, we we don't really uh, have a business here anymore." And they reinvented themselves, tried to understand which capabilities, competence they had in in their company, and and, and saw that opportunity in, in the cosmetics, and that they they became highly successful in that domain. So they they shifted completely, but they understood well what they had, and tried to go beyond their own industry boundaries, you know, because that that was a dying industry yeah. that they were in. It's something that's kind of uh, emerging that might be might be something that um, perhaps myself and Axel uh, research a little bit further. But it seems that there there can be a tendency, and I'd I'd really be curious to hear your your thoughts about this. That certain industries or certain companies, perhaps, who define themselves by the products they make or how they make it. Are are a little bit vulnerable then, mm -hmm. and and that they they're a little bit myopic, um, and that they're at risk of of being disrupted. So, what what kind of looks what what kind of looks like it's unfolding is that in this innovation space, it's not only challenging, you know, how things are made or what is made, but also an organizational identity, um. Wondering, have you have you experienced this yourself? So we, we, we did a that's with my colleague Sharon from Israel. That's that's part of our dissertation work where there were about 30, 40 Israeli startups that we looked at closely and, and tried to understand some aspects of what you just described. And it's it's this what we would technically would call cognitive framing of what type of company do you create? Mm. And and some of these entrepreneurs say, okay, we they focus very much on the product yeah? and say okay we have a and we define our company in terms of the product itself you know so the organizational identity would would be very much influenced by the product others would say we define it by by the resources yeah? okay. 
and uh, still others would say you know, we define in terms of the market segments that we, we and, uh, uh, want to exploit. Um, so, so depending on, on, on which level you define your company, mm -hmm. the more or less cognitive flexibility is baked into how you think about your company. You know, so if you are thinking about a, a certain product that is on that market, that's how you look at your company and you see it as a very specialized company that, that only can move in this direction and you have a path-dependent trajectory in front of you. Uh, if you define it in terms of the resources, yeah, you know, then uh, then this is very intriguing because then you you say okay, of course there's multiple opportunities that you could exploit. You know? So you are much more flexible already in your head. But this early decision how you define a company uh, in terms of its organizational identity and um, how we how we uh, how it's also called it's 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 something that sometimes happens by chance or because someone else approaches you and says, that's who you are. And as an entrepreneur, you, you are, you know, oftentimes these stars are created by, by technology, people who are strong in technology. And then they say, okay, this is how I should see my company. And they adopt this type of language. Yeah. Although they, the implications of what they adopt are much, much more profound than, than uh, initially realized. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, so I guess it's a challenge not unique to, to you know, well-established multinational Absolutely, corporations. Yeah. It's actually it, it's the um, the startups, the entrepreneurs, can also be equally as susceptible to this kind of one-dimensional approach. Um, interesting this this flexibility and this cognitive uh, framing. And look into that further. Um, so I guess in terms of kind of maybe different techniques or something, uh, different ways to scout for opportunities. Um, I mean, there's very different different ways. Sometimes it's, as you say, by accident. Mm. Other times there, there's more of an active process of going out with a particular lens. And sometimes it's a you know, design thinking lens or maybe it's a co-creation or have you have you any thoughts about the different, the different ways um, for opportunity identification and maybe you know, what, no, is, so, what so is appropriate. Some of the examples that you mentioned, they are looking at opportunities basically on, on, on different levels. So if you have design thinking and you talk to a certain set of customers, basically your set of customers already defined by the person you talk to. Yeah? So it's, <laughs> so, but, but you know, what I'm interested in is really like trying to understand which customer sets exist out there in the first place to say, okay, these are the, the big picture opportunities. Yeah? And then within all, each of these markets that I identify, which type of customers exist. You know, so there is some limitation to design thinking unless you do it in a very exploratory style across many different sets of customers you know, that you first have to identify. Yeah. So I'm, I'm much more interested in this, this, this big picture question because that then defines where you run your experiments. And that's, that's I think, one of the shortcomings yet that you see um, in, in many of the current methods that the, the big picture is missing. You know? okay. And that, that's, yeah. so, so I think the, the the benefit would be to combine the big picture of what exists as opportunities with, with the methods of how you explore. Right. And, and we, with Sharon and my, myself, we talk about this in, in the forthcoming book about like, like cogwheels. You know, you, you have the business model canvas, you have the lean method, but together with the idea of which opportunities you want to actually prefer, exploit, which are out there, you, mm -hmm. you, you have mutually reinforcing learning cycles within a company. And, and so I think from in terms of a, of a process or method, um, I'm very much a person who's 
or as a researcher by, by nature, I'm, I'm a person who's trying to understand the systematic effects, the systematic processes that work, you know, and not just mm. by chance or some observing one company and then saying, okay, this works with this company. It's much more generalizable what we are trying to understand as researchers, you know. Sure. So, so in, in that vein then, or, or how, how can someone go out and get the big picture? Kind of what, what are kind of the, maybe the uh, practical step-by-step kind of different ways that they can go about crafting that first and then they can dig further within the, it? The first point reaches out to, to what we already discussed is this idea of, of first allowing yourself to, to have the cognitive flexibility. Because if, if you don't have the cognitive flexibility, you know, you, you know, if you would be in a large firm, you would call this industry logic. But, but if you're in a small firm, you are also locked into your one way of thinking. And, and I think the first thing is just to be, be open, you know, as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur or an innovation manager. That, that's, I think, the first. But the second, building on that, once you say, okay, I, I'm technically open, then it's about designing a, a process that... Um, and in terms of this opportunity identification of the big picture ideas, it's 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 there are multiple steps associated with that. It's it's about understanding the, the technological properties uh, of your resources in independent of the market you you already have thought of, you know, potentially right. have thought of. You know, so it would be what can the technology do in its own right, yeah. independent of that spe- specific uh, application area that I may have identified. The second then would be to understand which opportunities are out there, and there, it's it's it's. We see a process that relies a lot on, on the knowledge, on the prior knowledge that people have of customer problems. That's yeah. enabling, but also constraining what you see. Yeah? Yeah. It people tend to see those opportunities that are related to some kind of experience they have had in the past. Yeah. When I say some kind of experience, it's typically industry experience, or or, or experience as a, as a as a customer of a certain type of product where you see a, a big problem or disadvantage with the current solution. Um, and then constructing basically teams that would allow you to, to overcome your own limitations, seeing, okay, I have people from multiple industries, multiple market backgrounds within a team that, that, that uh, has the task of identifying opportunities. And the third step, it would be what uh, can be called relinking. It's, it's basically saying, okay, this is my technology, this is my set of opportunities, I evaluate those and I try to understand which ones of those, um, which one of these opportunities are is the most favorable one or the most favorable ones depending on if you're in a small or large company and can, might be able to exploit one or, or many opportunities. So it's ultimately a, a multi-stage process mm. that I've laid out uh, which need, where every step needs to be Design carefully, because if, if you if you're not good in, in constructing a team uh, that has this opportunity identification ability across industry boundaries, even uh, then you might see lots of opportunities, many but not uh, heterogeneous ones, different ones in different settings. You know, so so it's not necessarily about having many op- uh, opportunities at your fingertips. But it's about having a varied set that gives you then strategic choice. Yeah, and I guess then have you have you yourself seen uh, examples of of these compositions of teams? And could you maybe elaborate a little? So bit that's what we in in the research we did. We have seen first it's it's about 
from the five hundred companies that we studied in the in this latest research effort, uh, it's about forty percent that look at multiple opportunities. Sixty percent look at one opportunity only. Mm -hmm. uh, these are all startups in the UK and in Germany. Um, among those forty percent that look at multiple opportunities, it's uh, the question then can be addressed: What type of opportunities do they see? And yeah. typically, what they see, and the majority of those see the opportunities in a what we could say a, a little garden, you know, it's like opportunities that are close adjacent, you know. So it's about let me give you an example: it's motors for motorbikes, motors for cars, and motors for little scooters. Okay, okay. so these are all motors for automotive, etc. But some other teams are actually able to say, okay, this might be a motor for bikes. Well, this might be a motor for oil drilling. And maybe we can do even a motor that can be applied in the cosmetics industry. Okay, so you you see much more of this opportunity space. Uh, okay. And and then the 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 you know on average, what we see is that those firms that are much better in understanding their their opportunity space are outperforming the others. So it's. Uh, it's not, you know, so there is some systematic uh, benefit to seeing the opportunity landscape uh, more completely. I guess, are there particular uh, skill sets or profiles of people who are able to see more and see differently um, than others? You know, or how, how can you... I don't know, how can you identify them? Because surely they're the people you want in your team to be looking at. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's like um, you want to construct a team that has individuals that are, first, that each of those individuals has this cognitive openness, you know, this flexibility. But second, you want to have on the team level and not on the individual level then uh, people with different backgrounds in there. And that's, that's I think, uh, that's a straightforward insight. But when we look at, at, at today's uh, uh, startup world, you see that teams tend to be formed based on, you know, we have known each other because we worked in the same laboratory, or if you look at the uh, corporations, you tend to see that these teams form within business units, but not across business units. Okay. You know, so even if you have an innovation team, that, that innovation team uh, is, is people who are interested in innovation, bring some, some, some education innovation, but, but what I often observe is that they don't necessarily um, bring the the different uh, viewpoints of different business units within the same team. You know, so it's 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 on a conceptual level, it would be about constructing a team that that has these multiple angles, multiple experience bases that they can draw on. You know, because that's that's driving then the opportunity identification. Sure. Possibilities. And when we look at maybe if we're breaking down the the different background even even more. Uh, Specifically, I mean, someone someone could have, I mean, it could be their country of origin, mm -hmm. it could be their education, which could be also different from their their work experience, which could also be different then again from their their hobbies and interests. So, are there anything you know they they could be European uh, versus American, male versus female, you know, what are, what are we talking about here when we're when we're if we could construct the A team. And what are we really striving for? So, so what we did in the study was to look at industry experience backgrounds, and that has a, had a very important effect. Yeah. Um, and when I looked at, at the case studies, that was um, their key insight was that that we had people on the team um, where 
that, that had different industry experiences, yes, but there was at least one person that had entrepreneurial experience. And, and this person was highly important because that he was, and that's what we saw through the qualitative research, that person basically in, infused some, some enthusiasm and some passion for, for, for this task of seeing opportunities. You know? So it's, it's breaking people out of habits of saying we, we narrow our, our vision too, too quickly. Uh, and the, the other profile that we saw was highly conducive was to have strong technological expertise on that team as well, which sounds somehow counterintuitive because you're trying to understand market opportunities. But, mm -hmm. but these people are people with strong technological experience are of, of key importance in such a team because they can actually work with the team on saying, okay, we have this technological base. How can we change it? What other technologies might we be able to add to the mix? You know, so that, that becomes a more powerful... Uh, uh, resource base for you for you to uh, to 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 build your your capabilities on and to 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 identify markets based on it there was something that you said that kind of a little i guess flag raised uh, for me because a lot of the discussion is around um you know opportunity identification based on what are the customer needs what are their problems whereas you mentioned that you know looking at the problems is is one aspect and it's kind of maybe past orientated or it's not again maybe not capturing the, the big picture so how can you move beyond just looking at problems how can you anticipate other things that haven't maybe even been articulated yet or that someone can't can't say this is what i need or this is what i want there it's it, it's difficult as a scientist to pinpoint what that type of skill is you know <laughs> so it's uh, um, but the question is highly intriguing i've been asking myself the same thing so I, I i think it's somehow buried in this this finding that we have uh, that once you have a serial entrepreneur on the team you have your team performs much better on in this opportunity identification task uh, yeah. activity than if you don't have one and i think this is the the inspirational factor as well, because I, I have a fundamental belief that, that people are creative. There are different degrees of creativity, of course, but, but sometimes it just takes a little, you know, you, you'd, you'd have to tip a person or put the sparkle into the eye of a person that there is something, uh, that this is actually a, a, one of the most beautiful activities that a human being can engage in in, in the business world is to see, uh, have vision of, of new opportunities, what could arise, you know, so it's it's, it's about letting yourself loosen away from, from existing assumptions, you know, about industries, about the success factors in industries, and then thinking broadly. And, and people are not used, oftentimes, once they've been in working in an industry, not used to these type of activities anymore because you are paid uh, before you're performing your KPIs. And that's, you know, if you think about your KPIs and how to perform well on them seven days a week, then, then you perform better if you <laughs> than if you'd only spent two days on it, you know? So it's, it's, um, it's, it's, I think this tipping, having a person on the team that actually can, can, can put that sparkle in the eye and say, okay, this is a very important activity that we do for the firm, and this is how we structure it, and this is how we, uh, how, how each in individual can contribute and solicits the type of knowledge bases that are hidden within a person. Sometimes people, uh, most often people don't, uh, cannot 
say everything they know because they are they are, don't know that they should now invoke that type of knowledge, which might be a bit further back. You know, but but if you have worked for, for instance, in an industry five years ago, you might not even think about that industry anymore because you think it's not relevant to the particular activity that I'm doing here for my own company, you know, for what I'm working in right now. But but that past experience might be highly important. You know, so yeah. you would need to have someone who's who's tipping you and says, "Hey, put your knowledge on the table. This is a very broad activity that we're doing here." Someone who's very good at kind of massaging things and seeing exactly, and, seeing and I think that's that's what the serial entrepreneurs bring on the table. There, it's it's they understand that this is a vital element to their activity and a vital element that that makes the companies ultimately more successful because they see good opportunities where others see only few ones and very narrow ones. And I guess they have that experience of seeing how one initial idea can evolve and change uh, once you start working with it and, and articulating it and 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 getting getting it and growing it and and maybe losing a sense of possessiveness over it so that it it can grow its own legs and fly and they've done that several times yeah, that's my understanding absolutely and they 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 have seen maybe the, with their first venture they made uh, they, they took a path where they said, oh, this is our technology, this is the market I want to enter. And over time they realized, well, that was not the only market we could have entered. There might be multiple. Mm -hmm. And these come with different properties, some different possibilities to, to create value. And, and in learning about this, you know, they, 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 have an they have acquired an important insight that then when they do another venture or try to commercialize another technology, uh, uh, helps them to, to to realize right from the start that this technology is not, you know, the value that this technology can produce is not uh, singularly determined by that one market, but it, mm. it is a function of what type of opportunities I see, you know. Yeah. And and I think they, they internalize, that's, that at least all of our research is pointing to the fact that they have internalized uh, these types of insights and, and, and act accordingly. Yeah. I guess on a final note then, because uh, I'm sure you want to get to the, the next keynote, but... Uh, so fundamentally, I mean, Innovation Roundtable, we have a lot of uh, corporate innovators trying to act more like entrepreneurs. Ha what advice <laughs> could you give them in terms of how to get from this way of being and doing and thinking into more this way of being and thinking and doing? make that that's a mini lecture in itself and we <laughs> don't have time for that but i think the the, the we'll first <laughs> i think the main one of the main points is is opening yourself up for that cognitive flexibility that we discussed earlier it's mm -hmm. that openness for new ways of seeing this openness for uh new experiences for working with people who come with a totally different experience background. You know? mm -hmm. And and oftentimes in the in, in the corporate environment you you over time you are and I see this with several companies that I work with, they are uh, entrenched in, in their current activities, they, they have their KPIs, they, they, they have their clear focus on what, what success means and 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 for the entrepreneur it's 
that's up for definition. All of these points mm -hmm. are up for definition. And, and being because these are up for definition, it means there are many degrees of freedom. And once you have many degrees of freedom in your decision making, you are, uh, some people get lost. You know? And others would, would say, well, now let's try to experiment on how we can make the, the most out of these degrees of freedom. And if you think about that, that's more like uh, 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 the activity of, an, of someone who's, who's in an artistic profession. You know? And that's what I think it's so beautiful about being an entrepreneur is that the only limit that you have is actually what you can imagine. You know? So your, your mind is ultimately the limit. I think that's a fantastic note to end on. Thanks so much for your time, Mark. Thank you, Carolyn. It was a pleasure. The video version of this podcast can be accessed via innovationroundtable.online. The Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content, including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, innovationroundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers. Our network is exclusively for innovation practitioners and large firms, so visit innovationroundtable.online to discover more and request your seven-day free trial account.